We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, honey. Hi. Sitting in the garage again, huh? Yeah. All alone? Yeah. On our son's bicycle? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be without your bike, so do something easy and protect it with Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. And when you ride with us for four straight years without an accident, we won't count your first one against you, no matter how much it costs. Visit Progressive.com to quote today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Accident forgiveness not available in all states. This is... This is... This is... This is... With Giancarlo Nava and Ryan Goins. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, we have producer Gopal and Mr. Brian Goins. How are you, sir? Hey, yo. Two shows in a row, Brian. Now that you have a you know, normal job with normal times, you know, you can come on shows again. So kind of nice. I'm happy to be on with you guys. We are always happy to have our producer on. We have our very own Hot Take Harry. And Harris is another one. that ha- Harrison, what was the last show you were on? <laughs> Before I moved into my new place, it's been a while. It's been a long time. It's probably like one of the first or second show you've been on this season. We've done a bunch. And we have our professional Photoshopper and anime lover, Brass Jazz himself. Hello, everybody. Last seen on the Underground Pod. Brass, how are you? Nobody saw that. Nobody saw that. And we have, okay, this might be, I think the, I think the most excited I've ever been on this show for a guest was George Sedano. And uh, this completely blows that out of the water. This is our free agent whale. The coach, Tony Fiorentino. Coach, welcome to the program this evening. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? We're doing great. We're really happy that you're on. Um, th- thank you so much. Um, I know that this is going to be a real treat for our, for our listeners. Uh, we are big fans of you, especially me. I mean, I grew up listening to you. You helped me foster a love for the game of basketball. So, like, uh, talking That's to great. you. That's great. Talking to you is awesome. Um, well, let's get right into it because the Heat last night they played kind of a heartbreaker against um, um, the, against who the hell did they play last night? 
76ers. The Sixers. I'm thinking That's the Bucks, the Raptors. God, I'm see Tony, you have my head in the sky. Um, they lose this heartbreaker against the Sixers, and they've blown a lot of leads lately. Uh, and Tony, I guess I want to ask you. I mean, you you your coach, and you're you know the team as good as anybody. What goes on with the offense? Because they play so well, and they generate such good shots. And I don't even feel like they're going away from what works because it's just I don't understand what's going on. Well, if you looked around the NBA last night, it was it was an un- unbelievable night in that respect. That there was a, um, two or three other teams, two two or three other games where a team had a huge lead and lost. So the Heat was one of uh, a number of teams last night that had a big lead, and it's just a crazy night in the NBA. And part of the problem in professional basketball is that when a team a team is up by 20 or more points let's say they tend to relax a little bit and the opposing team you know you're all professional athletes they dig in a little more they're a little upset because they're getting you know blown out at that point in time and you last night you could see it at the beginning of the third quarter the heat came out a little lackadaisical not as sharp as they were when they went into the halftime and Philadelphia came out on a on a mission. I, I mentioned during the broadcast last night. I wonder what Coach Brown said to them in the locker room because they were fired up, and they came out and Reddick made a couple of J's, and then Jarich got got hot, and the Heat could never get the momentum back. And uh, Philadelphia cut a 24 point halftime lead to eight going into the fourth quarter, which is what a home team wants to do. Any team wants to do when they're down by a lot at half is try to give themselves a, a chance going into the fourth quarter. And Philadelphia did that. It's... And so then it became a back and forth type of game. But in that third quarter, uh, Bellinelli got hot and going into the fourth as well. He made some unbelievable shots and uh, the heat came out a loser. The, the thing, but coach the third quarter for this team. And I think statistically they're I think in the low twenties of third quarter teams, like, and this has been a thing that's been going on. I mean, he Twitter calls it the, the third quarter because it's just like every year they have this third quarter problem. And we know Spolstra to be a great coach, probably the best or second best coach, at least for me in the, in the league. So it's like it's kind of strange that they're coming into the third quarter. And this is consistently a thing that's it's head scratching. Well, it is perplexing because I mentioned last night about how the Heat have a penchant for not holding leads. And you would think, after it's happened a number of times, that they would learn that they've got to be a little more focused, uh, be a little more energetic, more of an attacking mode, get into the lane offensively. You know, sometimes it's the defense that does it. Sometimes it's the offense. Uh, The same thing happened the night before, Tuesday night in in, uh, Toronto, where, again, the third quarter was the heat Achilles heel. The last three or four or five minutes of that third quarter, they got uh, they did not keep up with the, the tempo of the game. They got caught up in a running game, and Toronto just went on a binge right near the end of the third quarter. And then the Heat got down so much they couldn't come back and win. You know they were lost by three. So it's it's a recurring theme, and it's not that easy to figure out because if you could, this coaching staff, you know, I think is one of the best in the yeah. NBA. They'd figure it out. So it's very perplexing, and I think. Part of the problem is, I think, is that the Heat, and you don't want to say this, say this uh, uh, with the understanding that it may sound like an excuse, but it's not easy when you've got a lot of guys in and out of the lineup 
yeah. and lineups throughout the you know throughout the, uh, the season. I think the Heat have used 18 or 19 different starting lineups. It it causes problems for a coach because you're never quite sure who's going to be hot, who's going to be do well with a certain group because they've been out or they're back in, and so a coach is always searching for the right combination, especially when you get up, you know, by a lot of points. And so you, you do you go with defense? Do you go with your offensive squad? Do you do you you, you keep a team in that's struggling a little bit because they're going to find their way, or do you go to the bench? These are all. Uh, questions that the guys are asking themselves, the coaches, and they're discussing on the bench, and they can't seem to come up with the right formula yet. And, Coach, I'm glad that you mentioned that brass. I know that we've talked a bit about this on previous shows. Like, that starting lineup is so fluid that guys, I mean, and, and it's part of part of it's just injury. Guys get hurt. Olenek's missing time. Ellington missed some time. Tyler's missed a lot of time. Like, brass, guys come in and out of the lineup. It's really difficult to expect them to have any sort of continuity. And that's, I think, probably one of the things that shows in the third quarter. Well, you know, it's a good point because um, a good example is Olenek. He was starting to get comfortable. He was playing very well in the fourth quarter. And then he gets hurt. And then he misses three or four games. And, you know, you're trying to create that chemistry between Olenek and Whiteside as you're starting two guys up front. And then uh, the rest of it flows from there. And then, so now he's not there. Now you're confronted with who do we start at the power forward spot. James Johnson seems to be playing better coming off the bench. Even if he just sits three or four minutes at the beginning of each half, his mindset is, it seems, much better coming off the bench. So this creates a lot of uh, um, dilemmas for Coach Spo and his staff. And as of right now, with 24 games left, they haven't been able to solve it yet. Right. And I think, I think with the addition of Dwayne uh, coming back, it also creates a, a, you know, a question in terms of you know, to how, how do we fit him into the rotations? Because, I mean, he can still be a really huge asset to a team. Uh, you know, he, his basketball IQ is really out of this world, but obviously he's an older player. He's not, he's not, you know, the flash that we remember, but, um, you know, he can still be a, a, a real, uh, you know, a asset. real big deal on this team. Yeah. Real, a real asset, but obviously he still, you know, has some time to needs to get back in shape and everything I think um, that's to really click with this office because it's, it can be a really fast team and he's not, frankly, he's not the fastest player on the floor anymore. Well, he is a good athlete. You're making a good point. You got to f- try to figure out where does he fit in. Um, so, and you got that variable, and then you got the variable of Tyler Johnson. He's he was playing well, then he went into a slump. Then he started to play well and got hurt, hurt his ankle. Then he came back and maybe he wasn't 100 percent and he was favoring it a little bit. Uh, and then he has a couple of good games and then uh, did not play well on the road trip. So yeah. You got to factor all that in. You know, where, uh, do you go back to him in the fourth quarter? Do you play him in the third when he started the third quarter, not having a good night? Then all of a sudden he hits a three, and you know he's one of those guys that can explode and get you know get you uh, 15 points. He was 10 for 11 in the third quarter at Orlando to get the Heat back into that game, and then Ellington made a few threes at Orlando way back when, and he came away with a win. So. It's it's really hard to figure out, and there is no clear cut solution to it. You got to kind of go along and and do it by feel, and it's uh, it's it just it's as I mentioned earlier, it's very perplexing trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. Coach, the thing with Tyler, and I 
you know, it's funny because on this show, I've been I've been really hard on Tyler, and by really hard, I've been really hard on Tyler. The thing with him is that I think he's the kind of player that benefits from having better guys around him. Like I've argued on the show that he's a guy that would probably love to be with LeBron. Like he's great off the ball. He's a good shooter. He's very strong. He's athletic. Like he's a guy that is great an off-ball guard. But I think the Heat really try to have him as a creator and attacker sometimes. I think that puts him in bad positions, and it's kind of by necessity. And we know that his contract will balloon next season, and that's going to really hamstrung their cap and their luxury tax and all that. So, like, for me, the Tyler thing has been I don't think, like, he's in the best situations for him to excel in a role that he could probably have. And I've been a little mean to him. I feel bad because I think he's good. Um it's an interesting point. I'm not sure I agree with that, but uh, I do know that um, his legs are very important to him, as they are for most basketball players. I mean, he's not 100%, but when he's not getting his legs into a shot, you know, with Tyler, you ask the question, is his outside shot helping his drive or is the drive helping the perimeter, Jay? And so it, when he's shooting the ball well, obviously, like most guys, he's very difficult to guard because he can take it strong to the rim. He's a tough, hard-nosed uh, type of player that doesn't back down and and he's a good defender as well and so if his legs aren't 100 uh, percent and 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 um, he's not hitting the J he can't get to the basket because he's not feeling real strong with that thrust with that you need to go off that left foot the right with the right leg as, you, as a lefty and so you know that that's another thing to consider when you're coaching there's so many variables to this team. That you know, and then you got the other one with Bam Adebayo as well as he's played. Now last night, um, Whiteside was playing well, and then Bam was playing well, and then going down the stretch, Coach Bolster went with Bam. He didn't go with Whiteside. And I think one of the reasons is Bam's a better passer. He likes to run him at the elbow, and you know, at, at that little wing type thing where you throw him the ball, and then you you do your your uh, cut off of him, and you do your handoffs and your pin downs, and all those sort of pick and rolls. And so I think that's why I went with him down the stretch because he was struggling offensively and maybe he can help with the passing. So these are all the variables that it goes through a coach's mind. He discusses this with his officials on the bench. And it's not, uh, it's not as, as clear cut as maybe some fans might think it is. Coach, one of the things I've noticed with Bam is that they love that little play with him, with, with him on the elbow and have Ellington coming off that pin down. Like that is their, it's like, it's, I think it might be Spolster's favorite play this year. Well, it's very effective. No, it's and great. It's very difficult it's... to play, and it's going to be even more effective going into next year because Bam has improved offensively since the season has started. We've seen that, but he's still a little immobile with the ball. Uh, with, with, with him with the ball doing something with it, if if teams kind of overplay Ellington a little bit, so he's going to get better at getting more confidence of taking the ball to the basket when he sees the openings being able to finish better, draw, gets to the foul line, those sort of things. And so we're going to see his progress as he matures. I mean, he's only 20 years old. He's only a you know, 14th pick and all. He only played one year of college. He's, ha- he's made tremendous strides. He's having a great year for a kid his age and his lack of experience. But he's going to get even better in that offense as he grows and the, the, uh, watch him play, like, for example, next year. So... This is going to be interesting to watch the last 24 games. They should get Olenek back. Uh, and then, you know, we haven't even talked about the, the, the variable of Rodney Magruder, who was very important to this team last year. 
a guy who was really playing well in the preseason. It looked like he made almost every open shot that he was taking and then couldn't play when I the season Rodney started. So, so they had to make another adjustment. You know, who gets his minutes? How does that affect the starting lineup? How does that respect, uh, affect the rotation with the domino effect of the, who comes off the bench? All that sort of thing. So these are the things that have been uh, in flux the whole season. Coach, we sound so negative on the Heat. I'm sorry. Is that it's hard when when it's it's what is a seven of eight? And I think Eric said on the broadcast they've played a, a record of close games. Yes. Do you guys think that the schedule plays a role in what's going on now? I mean, because they started the season earlier, um, you've had a lot more games before the All Star break than you than you've usually had. And, you know, they're trying to limit back-to-backs, but the truth is there's still a lot of games, a lot of minutes being played. And it's possible the team is just fatigued, especially with the injuries they're that we so, talked about earlier. So deep, and they're so fit. Well, you know, I think that's, to be honest, that sounds like an excuse because all the teams are in the same situation with that. And obviously some teams are a little better equipped to handle starting earlier. You know, you got a Golden State that's got most of their team back and they don't have to incorporate different things. And um, the Heat had a lot of their players back, but they still had to incorporate new things. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, the schedule is what it is. You're a professional athlete. You are deep. You do have a deep team. I pointed this out a few times. I didn't say who the team was, and, and I won't say it now, but there was a team in, in the Eastern Conference that had uh, injuries and they had two eight-game losing streaks. And the Heat were able to keep their head above water, even with guys coming out, even with guys when this when the game starts. Uh, you didn't know this uh, until that morning at the shoot-around that a certain guy couldn't play. I mean, all teams go through that, but only certain teams can can survive through all of that. So, um, you you would hope the record would be better than 30 and 28, since you know obviously the Heat were eight games over 500 not too long ago. They're playing for third place. But they had they do have their head above water. And they do have 24 games left with a lot of home games. But they haven't been playing well at home, so they've got to step that up. But no, they do have a lot of home games left. I'm more comfortable so we'll with see them on happens. the road at this point. <laughs> when they come home, I get scared. I'm like, no, let's go back out. They're good at that. Yeah, one thing, yeah, one thing, one thing I find kind of interesting is uh, that I mean, we some have talked for quite a while now about how the point differential is. Uh, kind of shows a lot of the flaws in this team. I mean, even when they were pushing, when they were knocking on the door of, of, a, of a third seed, uh, you know, and now here we're hanging on to eighth, uh, poor di- point differential has been a problem. Um, I f- what I feel with the team now is sort of this, a similar feeling to what I felt at the beginning, at the first half of last season, where, uh, you know, we've only been losing, even even to, to, to the better teams in the league, we've only been losing by like a point or two or three. I mean, you know, with like games have been very close, very close for bad teams too, unfortunately, but they're, the shots are there and they're just not falling. But Dress, and they've uh, been you know, so lucky at the end of, I mean, the, the Toronto oh, on the road, Charlotte, I mean, they've, they've done, I think about what you would expect them to do at the end of close games. Cause it's, it's not that they're winning all of them and it's not that they're losing all of them. Right, no question. But you also, we had, you know, uh, you know, a, a few game, a couple games in a row where Wayne Ellington was. I mean, was he? Am I wrong? He was like zero nine or something. I mean, you know, there was. He was short. You know, for it was, it was it was a couple a couple games a couple games in a row, and Tyler has been really short. You know, I mean, it just everyone kind of went through a cold streak at a very similar time. But what I find 
I, I take a little bit of solace in that, though, is, again, the plays are there. The coaching is there. Uh, that I just I feel like eventually some shots have to fall. And we should start winning some I, more of these games. And maybe that's the homer in me. Uh, but uh, I'm just going to stick with that. The Achilles heel for me is that it's difficult for them to generate any sort of good shots. I mean, other than Goran, it's t- it's tough for a guy to say, beat him off the dribble. I mean, you have moments that Tyler can do it, but that's usually when the defense is scrambling. But when they broken plays and stuff, it's difficult. Jay Ritz can do it some, not at the volume that you'd like him, but he's still growing. I, I don't think, I think it's a little unreasonable to ask Jay Ritz, it's only his third year, to, hey, Jay, go, go win us a game. You know what I mean? Like, it's still, there's, that's developing, but they don't have, I don't know, to me, they don't have enough guys to just say, go, we need a basket. They don't have a James Harden. And that, that makes an appearance at the end of those Houston games because they have Chris Paul and James Harden. And it's, it's like, we, we used to have LeBron and Dwayne and Chris Bosch that, like, go get us a basket. And now they have to do, like, these elaborate pin downs coming off. I mean, that play that, that, um, that they ran the other day to get Ellington an open three in the corner, like, they have to do witchcraft to get good looks yeah. and it's incredible well you know i mentioned this the other day in the post game we did from toronto that overall when you look at this team you, you just i get the feeling being around them every day and knowing that the, how, the, how good the coaches are and i know i know the spirit that they have and how tough they are and how much they they take responsibility they don't point fingers no one's saying the guy did this that did that i tell you know james johnson is probably the best example of that Goran is probably the better, best example as well, that um, this is a playoff caliber type team, and that if they do get into the playoffs, the first round is, is going to be very interesting, because there are, there are teams that don't want to play the type of team that Miami is, because they scrape for everything, they work hard, they're very uh, very well coached, every, every official, every um, head coach that we speak to before every game always talks about how hard the team plays and how well coached they are. And you've got to be ready to play against them. So uh, I think in the last 24 games, I'm confident that the Heat are going to play well enough to get into the playoffs. I don't know what seed it's going to be. I mentioned before the season, I thought they would have a shot at the fourth seed, which was different from what a lot of people were saying. But I also said if they stayed healthy and obviously that hasn't been the case. But I, I, I still think that they're going to have a, a, a good tw- last 24 games, that they're going to be on an uptick going into the playoffs and have a shot to win the first round. So, um, you know, that, that's all conjecture and, and that's all talk right now. Let's see what happens. Coach, um, we've talked a lot about the Heat, but we want to talk about you, man. I mean, we're happy to have you on. I, like I said to start the show, um, I'm, I'm 25, so I've – I only know Heat basketball with Eric and Tony, right? So, and I didn't have my my parents are both immigrants. My father from Colombia, my mom from Italy. So my family did not bring like I did not grow up in a basketball house. This was a soccer house, and I didn't. My parents don't know anything about basketball, Coach. My dad, my dad's very short, never played basketball. My mom only knew kind of soccer. So watching you and Eric is how I learned about basketball. When I'm watching my first heat game, I have no idea what a pick and roll is. I have no idea what a screen is. I don't know what hustle stats are. I don't know what a clear path to the basket is. Um, And like, honestly, you know, you have taught me basketball to the point that I'm podcasting and blogging and I'm going to school for broadcast media. So like, that's great. Do you know, like, does that ever come to your mind how you've informed a generation of, 
second generation Hispanic kids because that I've talked to a lot of people coach that that is absolutely a thing that houses that did not grow up with basketball that you and Eric helped a lot a generation of South Florida kids foster a love for the sport well I appreciate hearing that I know Eric does too that's nice of you to say that you know we feel like our job is to announce the game try to my job as a as a former coach is to try to get the fans in the mind of the coach and, and show why certain things happen. And I remember that the, the thing that happened when we first, uh, maybe, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, when I started diagramming the jump ball and where we thought the tap was going to go. It's interesting how, for me, it's like a, uh, the analogy would be if I'm watching football and I want, you know, they hand the ball to the guy and he runs through a line and he gets open. I have no idea how that line got, got open like the way it did. And then, and then the analyst tells you how it happened. And they show you, you know, that's what I try to do in basketball. You know, when LeBron was here, he would dribble up the left side of the floor and throw a lob to Wade on the right side, going to the basket for a dunk. Fans have no idea how Wade got open. Well, that's my job. And uh, a good good thing to do is when if you're watching a basketball game in person, don't look at the ball, look off the ball. That's where you really find out what's going on. And that, that goes back to my scouting days with the Heat. When I was an assistant coach, I did a lot of scouting. And you have to, you want to see the whole play. So your eyes have to scan the whole 10 guys, if you will, and try to get a gist of what they're trying to do. And then that helps in, when you're broadcasting, because now you're showing the fans uh, what a coach is looking at and, and trying to explain rules and, and, and different things that go on that officials are trying to get done as well. So uh, Eric and I really appreciate that. You know, we, we've announced games when the Heat won 15 games in a season and we announced the championships the games all of them you know from six right through to 10 11 through 14 and so uh we appreciate those kind words and uh, we we really enjoy what we're doing no i mean it's it's been it's been monumental for us like both of you have been such like monumental figures in south florida like i don't I mean the dolphins don't really have a voice maybe a radio voice but and the marlins as we've seen you know they cite they just fired broadcasters but like you you both have endured in a way that is special. I know probably Brass, I mean, you probably grew up with Dr. Jack, so you probably had a different experience with, with this, but like Tony's my Dr. Jack, man. Like, yeah, baby, you know, explaining yeah. the, I mean, you, your clear path to the foul. Like I know Tony's going to come break that down for all the people that don't know and the jump ball and all that stuff. So that's, that's like, that's so cool. Uh, coach, how did you get, how did you get the broadcasting? Cause you, you've been with the, you've been with the team since day one, right? Yeah. What's the story? Behind? I was Absolutely. on the original coaching staff. Uh, 1988 with Coach Rothstein, so and uh, before I came to Miami, yeah, before I came to Miami, I was a high school coach, and then two years as a college coach. But when I was a high school coach um, in Mount Vernon, New York, the Westchester County, we used to you know, when we had the the uh, uh, the playoffs games that uh, my team wasn't playing in, I got the opportunity to announce them on cable at the time. You know, oh. it's very it was very different by, way back then. And I realized how much I enjoyed it. And so then after the first three years with the Heat, I wanted to uh, move into the broadcasting booth because Ron Rothstein left. Eric Reed moved from color analyst to play-by-play -play analyst. And that spot was open. And so uh, I didn't get it at that point. Uh, Dave Wall, the other assistant, got it. I became the scout, an advanced scout. And then Jack Ramsey came aboard for eight years. And so I did other things for the Heat. Um, and then in part of, in, in part of that, I always kept my eye on doing 
Carlo TV with Eric. You know, Eric and I are very good friends. We've been there. You know, we're the only announcing duo in the NBA doing a game that's been with the team since its inception. And so we, we take a lot of pride in that. And there isn't anything that one of us can't bring up of the last 30 years that the other one doesn't know something about. You know, me as a coach in those early years, I, I was an assistant for 11 years, the last four with Pat Riley's staff, and then moving into radio and TV. And so it, it's really a lot of fun working with one of your best friends and just trying to do the best job you can in informing the fans on what's going on on the court. So we've, re- we've really had a great run together, 15 years. It's been a lot of fun. Coach, tell us about um, being an assistant coach with the Miami Soul. Yeah, that was interesting. Give us a story. They brought a Ron Rothstein back. <clears throat> they brought Ron Rothstein back because he was the uh, first head coach. And then the Heat got a, uh, the Miami Soul from 2000 to 2002. It was three summers. And I moved over to be his uh, assistant coach again when he came aboard with the eye on eventually doing the radio and TV. And uh, the women were great. You know, we had uh, Ron was, um, in my opinion, was the best coach and general manager in the WNBA. And after three years, it went defunct. You know, they broke it up. I think if we had gone one more summer, we would have had a great shot to win the championship, WNBA championship. But it was a lot of fun coaching the women. They They had a great passion for the game. You know, I run the Miami Heat basketball camps. And I would always ask the boys in the camp who wants to be in the NBA, you know, you know, almost every kid would raise their hand and then we would discuss it. You know, you can never say that to the girls in the camp, but then we could say, well, who wanted to be, who wants to play in the WNBA? So the girls had that to aspire to. And so uh, it was really a lot of fun coaching those three years. We had, the girls were great coaching with Ronnie again was outstanding. And uh, the, 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 uh, the, the girls ate up everything you tried to teach them because they really enjoyed having NBA coaches coaching them. And uh, they worked hard, and it was a lot of fun. It was it was great working with Ronnie again, and uh, it, it was an experience that I'll always treasure. Coach, I'm I'm um, I'm perusing your Wikipedia page, which is not. Listen, we need to. Have you seen your Wikipedia page? No, um, I don't think so. It's no. lacking. It's like four sentences, and Tony Fiorentino needs a bigger <laughs> Wikipedia. So I'm bringing this up to the audience. <laughs> we as a we as a Heat community need to give Tony Fiorentino the Wikipedia page he deserves because it's it's just Tony was a color commentator for the Heat. Tony has been with the Heat since it entered the NBA, joining the team in 19... Like, come on, we need to do better than that. We need a full article of the Tony Fiorentino Wikipedia page. This is this is ridiculous. Heat Nation has to do better than this. Well, you know, I enjoyed uh, being a head coach in New York before I came here. See, that's uh, not on here. Mount, I didn't know that, Coach. Mount Vernon High School, you know, we we won championships, state championships, and um, we had a lot of talent. You know, my, at my high school, we've had nine players from my high school play in the NBA. Oh, I yeah? coached one of them, Rodney McRae. I, you know, his brother Scooter had as a freshman, had Rodney as a freshman, as a senior. My, my first year coaching at Mount Vernon, you know, I, I was the baseball coach for uh, before that. And then got into bed and then became the basketball coach. The first year I coached as a high school coach, I had Rodney McRae. You know, Rodney was the third pick in the NBA draft and, uh, you know, went played 10, 11 years in the NBA. So played in the finals for Houston. And so it, 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 I thought if I'd said, I said to myself, I don't, if I don't get to the NBA as a coach, I'll never coach a better player than this. <laughs> you know, in my first year as a high school coach in my you know mid to late 20s. And so uh, it was a great experience to coach at my alma mater. And um, uh, 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 and then move on 
to come to Miami with one of my best friends and Ron Rothstein and coach with him uh, and, and, and uh, you know, be able to coach and then be on Pat Riley's staff, which was, which was an experience in itself. You know, Pat Riley was a, a genius every day. He said things that were just um, um, eye catching and, and memorable. And uh, you try to keep a little journal of all the things that he said and learn from him. And uh, it, it was just a great, ex- uh, the overall experience for 30 years here has been just great for me. I really appreciate the fact that I've had the opportunity to do it coming here from New York as a high school coach and then a college coach coach. You worked for Pat Riley. Give us a good Pat Riley story, like something that happened at practice, maybe something that maybe you know he got mad at you. Give us a funny Pat Riley. I want I want to know the funny side of Pat Riley in his coaching. Well, there's one great story he told us, and I'll clean it up a little bit. You don't he have was to. the when he was he was a great high school coach, a great high school player, and a great college player. But when he came into the NBA, it didn't translate that way. He was the one of the he was a guard that rarely got in the game. He played with Jerry West and Gail Goodrich, Hall of Fame backcourt. Bill Sharman, Hall of Fame coach. Will Chamberlain, Hall of Famer. And that, he was on that team. And, and uh, one year he was telling us that uh, Gail Goodrich was out, his backup was out, so Pat Riley now had to play. And so they were down one with five seconds left against an opponent. Bill Sharman calls timeout. They had the ball out on the side. And Sharman sets up a play where, uh, okay, we're going to pass the ball to, to Riles at the top of the key. On the left side, Wilt, you're going to pin down on Jerry West. Riles, you hit Jerry West. He takes the shot. We win the game. You know, Jerry West, one of the great clutch shooters of all time. Well, they take the ball out. They throw it to Pat Riley at the top of the key, and he looks up, and he's open. Oh, no. There's nobody on him. Oh, no, Pat. So, and the clock's going five, four, three. So what he does, he takes the shot and he misses. And the crowd, oh, they lose by one. So they go in the locker room and he's sitting next to, his locker happened to be next to Will Chamberlain's. And Will said, Pat, what did you do? He goes, I was open. And Will said, there's a reason you were open. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, in that story, there's a lesson. There's a lesson in that story that, you know, you have to play to your strength and that, they're, sometimes teams, if they're very smart defensively, they're going to leave the worst shooter open or they're going to leave the guy they don't think can make the shot, not allow the best player beat them. And so I'm sure he's used that as a lesson with some of the teams that he's coached. And, and you know, because that's what he tends to do. He turns to take situations that he's experienced or heard of and turn that into a, 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 a teaching situation for the team he's coaching at the time. I'm trying to think of what would Pat Riley do if a player did that when he drew up a play for Dwayne Wade and a rogue player, a rogue Chris Quinn, took an open shot and missed the game. Well, you know, there was another funny story story where he told the team about um, we, when I was an assistant, he ran a locker room getting ready to go out at home, and he told the team about these ancient, two ancient civilizations. One kept attacking the other. So this one civilization that kept getting attacked finally had it. They got on their boats and they went across the lake. And when they got to the other side, the commander said, "Burn the boats." And and the, and the uh, his underlings, you know, the, all the all the guys there, the soldiers said, "Well, if we do that, we won't have a way to escape." He goes, "That's right. We're gonna we're gonna kill them or we're gonna die. It's one or the other. We're gonna win or we're gonna die." The guys got all fired up. They ran out on the court. We won the game. 
But the interesting part about the story was after the team ran out of the locker room, we said to Coach Riley, what happened? He goes, don't tell the players. They all died. <laughs> Wait. Listen, Coach, we have, we have the, uh, the, the lore of the burn the boat story is famous on, uh, on Heat Twitter. Wait, really? They all died? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, the, it, it, it served its purpose because the, the team went out and they won the game. I remember that night. They got all fired up from the story and they won the game. But the gist of it was that, you know, the real story was those guys all died. <laughs> the story of the boat. So it, he was a master at, at, at getting guys, you know, to, to, to um, just do to play their best, bringing out the best in them. We and, uh, it, and, you know, and, 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 and I think the, another guy that was really underrated as a coach was Coach Rothstein. He did an unbelievable job the first three years. He did a great job with the soul. He was an assistant coach with all three championship teams from 06 to to 13 when we won three championships or, so, you know, the five times that we got in the finals and in those uh, years from 06 to 14, um, it, it was really a pleasure to work with him as well. He, he, he knew how to break it down and, and really a uh, good fundamental teacher, very well respected. He got honored this past um, a few months ago um, where uh, the Tex winner award for an assistant coach who had great contributions to the NBA over his career. So, uh, I've had I've had the good fortune of being able to uh, learn from great coaches like uh, Pat Riley and Ron Rothstein. Heat lifer, coach. You know what? I, I didn't know that you were so close to Ron. Um, I mean, like that that must be really cool to have gone through this journey with your friend. Like Ron Rothstein seems like someone who's legitimately one of the most important people of your life. The way you talk about him. Well, I, I have two brothers, and when I, I got when I got here a year after I got here, I got married. Ron was my best man. Oh really? So uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're, it's funny because in um, I met him when I was a freshman in college, and last year was our fiftieth year that we've known each other. We knew each other fifty years. I, mean, I met him when I was seventeen, and I was sixty-seven. You know, last year I'm sixty-eight now. So uh, we knew each other. We've known each other over fifty years. That is wow. Organizations. Best man. So did he did he draw up a good play for the bachelor party? <laughs> Coach, what did you do for your bachelor party? Uh, yeah, it, Come on, give, it, give no, us it was, a little. Bit. I, it was so long ago. I don't even remember what no, we I did. Coach, a coach never forgets. You know. So, uh, but it was, you know he real good. No, no, it was Miami. He's a real good man and um, very good family man and um, very well respected in the coaching community. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, in many ways, my mentor. So it, it was great. It was great. To, uh, we've had a great 50 years. Yeah, I was wondering, what was the, what was that transition like uh, when Pat Riley uh, started with the organization? Well, immediately, uh, we became uh, significant. They, they, we were kind of like, it was seven years of the heat. And we were just kind of like there, you know, we weren't really a factor in the NBA made the playoffs twice, the fourth and sixth year of the franchise. And then the set this after seven years, Mickey Harrison hires Pat Riley. And all of a sudden now he's a president. He's a general, he's the uh, co uh, head coach. And with all the experience, I mean, he's Pat Riley. He was, he won, he won all those championships and he was in the finals almost every year. And, you know, he, he, now he was going to rebuild or build, actually, it wasn't even a rebuild, but build the Miami Heat 
And a month after he had the job, he got Alonzo Mourning. Um, then three three months later, he got Tim Hardaway. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we became significant in the league. And um, free agents wanted to come and all that stuff. And we just, it, it was it was unfortunate that in the late uh, 90s, we were good. We were very good with Alonzo Mourning and P.J. Brown and Tim Hardaway and those guys. But we couldn't, you know, it was it was at the height of Michael Jordan. And so as good as you can be, you might be good enough to win an NBA championship, but it, it was tough getting by Michael Jordan's Bulls. I think the Heat, that one of those years, was the only, one of 10 teams to beat the Bulls that, that season, right? Were you on that staff? Oh, well, there was a great story about when the Bulls came to Miami in that record-breaking season, I believe it was, mm-hmm. where uh, we only had eight guys. It was the 95-96 season when Pat Roddy first coached and the uh, Bulls, the Bill, the, 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 the Chicago comes in and he had Pat Roddy just made the trade. It was like around this time it was February, right before the trading deadline. He got Tim Hardaway and guys like that. And um, they hadn't been here yet. They, they didn't get here yet. So we had to play the Bulls with, with eight guys. Rex Chapman scored 39, making jumpers from all over the in deep corners. And we beat them with eight players. And I remember Coach Riley, his speech before the game was, why are we even playing this game? Everyone, if it's already a foregone conclusion, why don't we just forfeit? Why don't we just let him, just just give him the game? You're a professional basketball player. Go out and play. And the guys got fired up, and we won the game. We beat him with eight guys. And so uh, that's the kind of effect that he immediately had on the team and the franchise. And, uh, I mean, the rest just speaks for itself. He's been an architect of world championships, not just a great coach. Coach, what that what what you just I and I've heard versions of that story before, but like every time I hear it, it's more and more amazing. Like what they did with eight guys, what regular season game, like I imagine that that has to be up at the top of most memorable regular season games that you've been a part of. Is there anything that beats that, or what's what's second place if not? Well, that that's pretty, I have to think about it, but I it's always enjoyed when we when when we went into the garden and beat the Knicks. You know, we, I remember one of the things we showed we showed the other day when when Dwayne came back is that jump shot he made at the buzzer in the garden, and then he runs over and he says it's good, it's good. You know, he's talking, he's he's doing that in front of like these celebrities, these actors that are sitting there courtside, and um, the comment I made was being from New York and Eric's from New York. How do you how do you quiet twenty thousand New Yorkers? You have Dwayne Wade make a jumper at the buzzer, you know. <laughs> so it was a great moment for us being from New York, being able to go back and have D Wade beat them with a jumper at the buzzer, and everybody's all excited. All of a sudden, they all leave the building quietly because D Wade had the last laugh. So, uh, you know, there's so many regular season games that beating the, the Bulls that night though with eight players is up there somewhere. Well, coach, you mentioned Dwayne, like seeing Eric interview him the night that he came I, I mean I I've I've watched Eric you know for since 2003 since I started watching basketball I don't think I've ever seen him as just outwardly happy like he was glowing talking to Dwayne I, I, I can yeah that I, was a great interview yeah I agree with you I mean, that, so you know happy. Eric Eric is you know you know Eric is a pro and he does a lot whatever interview he does is going to be very good but that one was very special and he got a lot of play on the on the uh, on the Twitter with that yeah. um, more than any other interview that he ever did um, 
you know, and, and, and he ended it as, as only he would. He says, look, he wears number three on his back, but he's number one in the heart of Heat fans. I mean, you couldn't have ended that any better after, you know, after the great questions and the responses that Dwayne had and all of that. That, that wasn't out. That, that may be Eric Reed's best interview in 30 years. I thought the best part about that was how, because, like, I think a lot of times in sports, there's, some, there's a disconnect between the broadcasters, the, the athletes, and the fans. And I think we were all feeling the same things that night. Like, we were all – Eric was glowing, and he just looked happy, and Dwayne was happy. And it was kind of like sure. we're, we're all the same tonight. Like, we're all just happy that he's back in the building, that he's wearing that uniform. He's back home. No, I enjoyed it when Wade came into the game. When Dwayne oh, came into the game, we were quiet. And then I finally said, he's back home, Eric. <laughs> that's all you have to say. You, have to say. you know, that's what everybody was feeling and thinking, and that's what he was thinking and feeling. And so in this, in just that one short sentence, you capsuled the whole thing, you know, and um, he's, he's, he is who he is, you know, and we all love him. Coach, I don't know if you guys saw it during, because you guys, you know, are obviously on the floor, but I think there were free throws being shot. And you guys have those promos where, like, you know, Jose Pineda comes up from the bottom and he starts. Yeah, to, right. Yeah, right. so Jose comes up and then Dwayne, uh, Dwayne starts. He comes they, in the game. They, we get cut it short. They yeah, cut off Jose right. Pineda, and I was like, "Whoa, yeah, poor Jose!" Right. They brought him back later, but I, I thought that was a uh, low key funny part of that. I was like, "Oh, poor, poor." That Jose. was funny. Had you reminded me of that? Yeah, yeah. that was great. Jose always comes on, and <laughs> right as he started the talk, Dwayne comes in. They cut it right yeah, off, and sorry, then they put it back on later when everything calmed down. That yeah, was good. That was that was really funny, and I can't imagine the the poor production people were like, "All right, you know, it's time. We got to get our, our Jose in." And then, oh no, Dwayne's coming in. Cut it off. Cut it off. I imagine the guys in the truck. Stop. Bring Jose back. That, that was funny. Yeah, it was. It was. There was the right thing to do as well. Um, coach, I know uh, we're, we're, we're running short on time. I have to uh, listen, coach. I have to ask you on behalf of Heat Twitter and Brian. I, do you have the sound ready? You know, don't play it yet, but do you have it ready? I do. Have ready. Okay, coach, I, are you familiar uh -huh. with um, you, there's a there's a famous vine that circulates Heat Twitter where uh, you and Eric are doing a post game show and uh, Eric is talking and then uh, he taps you, uh, he taps you like on your leg because you know you're looking away from the camera. And you come, you turn right. around, and you say, "Oh, I'm sorry, Eric. I was looking at some stats." But you weren't looking at some stats because the stats were the papers in front of you. Uh, and Brian, play the sound for the audience that doesn't know. Three of their last four overall, and three of the last four at home. Sorry to interrupt you, coach. Oh, okay. Coach, what were you looking at? <laughs> you know, everybody makes a lot of. Uh, they like to put their own thing on that whole thing. I I had seen a friend. And I was staring at him as he left. I was trying to get his attention. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't even paying attention that we were back on the air. Now I've never done that in I that's know. the only time I've ever done that in 15 years. I know. And so people were making fun of, you know, what was he looking at? What was he entranced with? I was just simply looking at a friend. A lot of speculation. And, uh, I know. I know. But you know, it's all right if people have fun with that. I made a mistake and, uh, I got to take my medicine. <laughs> Coach, we love all your mistakes. We love it makes it honestly makes the broadcast human. None of us are perfect and we love you for that. Coach, thank you for I your appreciate time. It, guys. You honestly sure, anytime. You are a heat lifer. You are the ultimate heat lifer and your career uh, as a broadcaster has touched many lives um, including my own and I cannot thank you enough for this time and for everything that you've done for the only city that I've ever loved. Thank you so much, Coach. I, I appreciate it, guys. And you know, Eric and I, and the whole Heat, we love Heat fans because they are, they are some of the loyalist fans in the NBA. 
Sometimes they get maligned a little bit by the pseudo experts nationally. You don't really know, but um, we just love Heat fans for their loyalty and their passion. Thanks, Coach. Love- I think Brass wanted to. I, 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 yeah, I, I live about 20 minutes away from Mount Vernon, so look me up next time you're around town. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mount Vernon's finest. Hey, Mount Vernon's finest, everyone. Tony Fiorentino. Thank you, Coach. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank Have you. a good Thank night. You. Thank you, Coach. Have a good yeah. night. Thank you. you too. Bye bye. I'm poised coital. I don't even know if that was good radio or not. I was waiting for you to cry. No, honestly, and it's funny because, like, so he brings up Tyler. Jo- I mean, he brings up TJ. And I'm like, I have an obligation to the audience to slander the hell out of Tyler. And I couldn't. I couldn't. I, I was very delicate with my Tyler slander. There's a, there's a, again, we don't need to get into this every show. There's nothing wrong with Tyler. It's just an unfortunate contract along with everything else that the Heat did. It's on, well, on its own. In a vacuum, it's fine. Whatever, dude. He disagreed with all of your TJ takes. Anyway. Oh my God, Tony's yeah. just totally. Sh- oh, I don't really agree with your Tyler take there, bud. But I'm gonna keep going. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm smiling. I mean, we, I, he spent 45 minutes with us, and he. I mean, I'm, I don't even know if it was good. I'm happy. Your question: Do you like anime? Huh? Do you like anime? If. That's what I thought uh, at the end. Oh, Brian, we didn't play. Ask, uh, Brian, play the laugh. We didn't play the laugh for Tony. Oh, God. You know, I wanted to play it during one of his Pat Riley stories, but I wasn't sure if it'd be tasteful. But he I'll had play- a couple. He had a couple funny laughs tonight. We should. We should. Uh, oh, keep- sure. No, sure. hold on. I mean, there's sound to be cut up in him telling the story about burning the boats. About that was just, beautiful. Yeah, kill him. <laughs> just like Tony, kill him. <laughs> like there's. <laughs> He's a good sport, man. No, yeah, he's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss that guy dearly. Me too, man. I'm gonna be. We so didn't talk sad. about what it was gonna take, what it's, what it would take to keep him around because he can't go, man. I'm listen. That interview scared that. Like, I'm gonna peel back the curtain for the audience. I was terrified that whole interview because I'm like, okay, well, we're having a heat employee on. I'm not entirely sure he's allowed to come on this podcast because we circumvented PR. So yeah, I'm but he like, has nothing to lose. <laughs> That's true. He's yeah. rogue. You know what? <laughs> he didn't laugh at my nobody. You know, you guys are bad co-hosts. My rogue Chris Quinn joke was funny. I think you were taking a shot at Chris Quinn, and he didn't want to laugh at that. I mean, I no. I, I was trying to think of who's a player that like on the on the bad team. He's still in the stats. So I could see why he didn't laugh. I, I wish you would have done. I wish you would have done Smush Parker instead of Chris Quinn. We have. Oh, that's right. Quinn's on the. Quinny's on the staff. Mm-hmm. You know, one of our one of the ideas that we had for like the Instagram account. We have an Instagram account, by the way. Follow us at Beat. I'm not sure we updated, but it's there. Um, one of the ideas that when Brian and I were trying to like push the Instagram account, uh, the day that Shaq got his jersey retired, we wanted to be counterculture, and instead of having Shaq Day, we wanted to have Chris Quinn Day. And post like every hour, like Chris Quinn stats and pictures, and we never did it. Because obviously, Shaq, you know. We could still do it one day. Yeah. You can do like his. No, it's, it's over. It's over. That's... Did maybe... you guys just see? Did you see the new Shaq commercial where he's on the Carnival cruise ship? No. Yeah. It's fun. I don't know why. I mean, I, I obviously didn't like the way Shaq left the Heat, but he's just like, he's just a big goofball. I think it's because he's so big that it's so funny. Anyway, sorry. I was just thinking about that. So what's, yeah, Shaq's less threatening now that he's fat. 
There's something about fat people that kind of like disarms them, like from you hating them. Like, you imagine, okay, Harry, Harry you, you don't like LeBron, right? I do not. Okay, imagine if LeBron was fat. Like, he just becomes fat. Um, I'd probably laugh. I don't know if. I th- I think you I think you'd hate him less. I mean, my my hate is. I mean, you I know, hate... has obviously gotten well, less he would over stop, time. He would stop but... winning so much. So yeah, sure. Yeah, it would be funny if they had to like roll him out of the tunnel, fat. But <laughs> roll him out. Did you guys think that was good? Yeah. I think Tony owned it, man. I think, think I think Tony did a great job. I think you just needed to back up and just let him let him do his thing, you know. He also um... is that Alexa? Yes. What was Alexa saying? <laughs> no, oh, I don't know. Uh, I I I unplugged a bitch. I don't know. Or, or Tony Whoa! No, Giancarlo. I also think that he well he spoke in a very like slow like it, well, he wasn't going you know we've had people on before who just like talk 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 rapid fire you have no way to get any words and i know exactly who i'm thinking of and say it say it harry well are we ever gonna have him on Do again we, okay, wait, wait. let's let's all guess and then harry says i'm gonna okay i'm gonna go last i have mine in my head brian who is who is harry talking about tom d'angelo brass i wasn't listening to harry i think <laughs> i think he's talking about ethan although tom is excellent no, it was Tom. It oh, was Tom. damn! That was, def- that was definitely the worst one. I remember Harry on the show. That's why. Man, Tom's a nice guy. Uh, I was, was on with Ethan. I was on with Ethan too. But the truth is that okay. I mean, I mean, Will Manso talked a lot too. But Will's Will's good. I mean, Will's Will just. Back on. I can. I mean, just let me know. I could write him right now. Oh, oh, oh badass over here! Do it! I dare you. All right, I'll no, write no. him a message. Have him call in now. I mean, he he works across the street from me. Have him call in. Say, Will, can you call in the show for five minutes? We just had Tony it, on. We just had Tony on. We want to ask you Tony questions. No, we'll, we'll do our own no, show. No, 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 no. Ask him. Okay, tough guy. Say, hey, Will, we're in the middle of a show. Can you come on for? Can you? Can we call you for five minutes to talk about Tony? I'm sure he's a little busy with everything that's going on over the last few days. So. Oh, that's right. That's probably not a good idea. Yeah. Wow, that was your out. Well, it's it works. It's, it's true. You're right. You're right. So we go we just... go on a streak after this All Star break or what? Yes. The I schedule's think... better. I think the offense so sucks, hopefully... man. I don't think they're gonna be fixed. I no. I mean, they're they're getting good looks. They just have. They're just. I don't know what it is if they they just shouldn't go the into the wasn't tunnel. Even for good when they were they winning. Should have no, they should just have halftime on the court. They should bring out the Gatorade, bring out some orange slices, just keep halftime there so they never lose whatever momentum they have. Because to blow a 23-point lead anywhere is all the time, Harrison. atrocious. But they've done it when they were winning. Like, they, they, they've blown leads. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, know that, and, and I know what happens in the NBA, but, like, it doesn't happen. It shouldn't happen every single damn night. Yeah, Tony didn't like my question, but I, I do think that the schedule and the amount—I I I think, think that has Harry. I think if anything, that benefits the Heat because of how well conditioned they are. I think the Heat are the ones to be the beneficiaries of that because of how fit they are. Not are they that well conditioned this year? Like Dion, Dion put on Dion's the a only lot one of he's not playing because Ellington's a machine. Justice is a machine. Jay Rich has played the most, like one of the most minutes in the league. Um, Goran has been fine. Everybody, I mean, even Hassan has been pretty decent. You know, Bam. Yeah, see, there goes there goes your fat theory, Johnny, because Dion got fat and we 
can't stand I mean, the guy. You can't now. be actively playing and get fat. You have oh, to be yeah, retired. Like Eddie Lacy got I, fat and nobody liked him. I would. I wouldn't. What about, what, about what about Antoine Walker? He can. He can't even move anymore. He's a balloon. I legitimately think that the offense can't be fixed. I just think it is what it is, and they have a top ten defense, and they're gonna have to ride that, and they're gonna have to hope they get hot to win anything. Like. You don't think adding these extra shooters like Rodney and Luke Babbitt into the rotation might help? The problem is not the shooting, Brian. The problem is the creating off the dribble. Like, they have to get really creative with these motion and flex sets to get any decent looks. And, like, they're, we talked about with Tony. Their pet play is that Bam Ellington little elbow pin down thing. Like, that. Like an Ellington. Like, think about this. Their offense is as good as what Wayne is on a night. Could it? Could is anyone going to break free before the buyout deadline? Because we still do have that money to spend from Dion's exception. Yeah, but we're not. Who are we going to? I mean, I guess what Mickey would be the, yeah. the one that we would get rid of. Yeah, I mean, I know I mean, you didn't like it, but Joe but, Johnson would have been the guy that would have helped. No, Joe Johnson's shooting twenty eight percent this year. Like he's not. No, no, he's, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I think I think if if we were if we were still knocking on the door for a a, a three seed, I think the buyout thing is, has a little more legs. But I don't think that yeah, I I don't think we're seed. we're no one is going to confuse us for a contender. Wade, but Wade I, was I our, Wade was our pickup. Yeah, I I do think for kind of for the rest of the season though, because the you know the point differential has just been so close. I, I the rest of the season could go either way. <laughs> I really do. I know, but I, yeah, I, I, I genuinely believe that. You have to keep talking. I, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I think I think that uh, it, you know, because all these games are just so close. I don't think that this team has is like a, a legitimate threat. I don't, but I just think that they can. No matter who they play, they can play the best teams, they can play the worst teams, and it's going to be close. But if they literally make one more shot in some of these games, they can win them. And they're there. You know, they're not losing these games by, you know, double digits. Well, I th- my feeling they're is that if they can not winning them by double in- digits either. No, no, no. My feeling is if the Heat can get into the playoffs, like a playoff series is much better for a team like this where they can focus on their opponent, figure out the strengths, figure out the weaknesses, and you have seven games to Just to make that work in a in a one game no in a one game like with the ebbs and flows and the way this team like because they can't make threes they blow leads because other teams can just start hitting threes and they can't and the next thing you know a twenty three point lead is like ten Harry, or even like, that buck even thing, the bucks game that we won we're up by nineteen the next no, thing you know we're down by seven they they run bullshit like they have like. Spolstra has to do bullshit to get them shots. And in a playoff series, that can become so easy to take away because there's only so much you can do. You know what I mean? Like, there's only so many times Olenny's going to fool you with the keeping thing in a playoff series. You know what I mean? Like, down the stretch of that Cleveland game, they were like the go to guy was Olenny. Like, that's not going to be hard to stop. And, like, they'll be able to, they could keep it close for a bit. But once, like, dude, once it gets to a certain point, they're. Gone. They're dead in the water in a playoff series. Nikaias said I, well, it best. we have. Okay, go ahead. Nikaias said it best. He's like, I don't know what would surprise me more if the Heat win a playoff game or if they even make the playoffs. But we have Olenek to pull someone's arm out of their socket in the playoffs. Your love of the outdoors led you to buy a fishing boat, and your love of your boat led you to turn a day on the water into a four-day trip, which led you to a record-breaking trout and a bubbling lava hot sunburn which led you to a new respect for proper sun care technique. Fortunately, your love of your fishing boat also led you to protect it with progressive boat insurance, which you got indoors because of that sunburn. Ouch. I want to put some aloe on that. 
Visit Progressive.com to cover the things you love. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.